It is my privilege to introduce our speaker today, Pat Turbot, a devoted wife, mother, grandmother, registered nurse, and gifted speaker. She organizes and directs weekend retreats for women, and with her husband Donald, conducts parish missions and pilgrimages to Europe. Together, they have a preaching, teaching, and healing ministry in Europe through Renewal Ministries. Pat is the founding and present coordinator of the Divine Providence chapter of Magnificat in Providence, Rhode Island. It is my pleasure to introduce once again Pat Turbot. Thank you very much for inviting me to be with you this morning. It is a blessing for me to be able to be here and share with you, share this opportunity to be able to talk about God's love and how much He does love us. Uh, I want to begin with three scriptures. One is Psalm 115, which says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. And so, Father, I ask that you would glorify your son Jesus here this morning through us. Precious Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you, and we ask you to overshadow us and breathe on us new life. Jesus, thank you. We love you. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, Let him who would boast, boast in the Lord. <clears throat> and that's what I desire to do this morning, is to boast of the goodness and the kindness and the mercy of the Lord. And so my goal in sharing my testimony with all of you is not to focus on myself, although you will hear things, <clears throat> not to focus on my accomplishments or even my unworthiness, but to be able to focus on Jesus Christ as Lord. And so I desire to simply share with you what God in his love and in his mercy has done for me. Because in reality, the story of my journey and what's happened to me is really not so much about me as it is about Jesus and what he has done. This is all about Jesus. That's what Mary is trying to do, bring us closer and closer to Jesus. I dare say we cannot look at Mary very long that she doesn't take us and turn us to Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's a sign of a, of a solid and, and mature relationship with Our Lady. Amen. Um, and so my prayer is that you will leave here this morning, all of us, 
loving him more and more. Because what he has done for me, he can do for you, and he will do for you even more if you continue to seek him with your whole heart. And so preparing this testimony has been a time of blessed growth for me. Uh, it's helped me to remember, oh, it was so wonderful to go back all those years and to remember how he has really changed my life and how he has brought me into a deeper awareness of God's love and God's power. We're talking about walking in his love and in his power. And so putting this testimony together uh, has also helped to strengthen my faith and my trust in Jesus as my God, my Lord, and my Savior. Um, I'd like to present a picture to you in three parts. First of all, I want to share with you where I was before my conversion uh, and before I made a personal commitment to Christ. And secondly, what happened at the time of my conversion and also at the time of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, what has changed in my life since then? And so I want to begin with my background, if I may, uh, before meeting the Lord. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said, Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone, not just some, he said, everyone who asks receives. In God's way, in God's time, everyone. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now this scripture describes exactly what happened to me 34 years ago when I began to earnestly search for the Lord in my life uh, I didn't realize that I was searching for God 34 years ago, but I was. Uh, my husband Donald and I grew up in a very ethnic section of Providence, Rhode Island, and this particular area was very thickly populated with Portuguese and Irish. But my husband and I didn't meet until high school. Uh, I was just about to turn 17 when I met him. So we have grown together emotionally and spiritually, and praise the Lord, we've been inseparable ever since. But he is of Irish descent, <laughs> So those of you who are Irish can appreciate uh, how I have learned to enjoy his Irish wit. Oh my goodness, he has an answer for everything. <laughs> you know, in high school, he'd go by my locker and I had a ponytail and he, I didn't know him and he'd pull my ponytail and I'd think, who is that? I think he likes me. <laughs> he invited me to the junior prom, then he invited me to the senior prom and praise the Lord. We've been together ever since. Uh, I am of Portuguese descent, and so all four of my grandparents were born in Portugal and came here to America to live in the early 1900s. And so consequently, the Blessed Mother um, is not foreign to me at all because of growing up in this ethnic way. But I was baptized and confirmed, and at 21, uh, married in um, Holy Rosary Church. I mean, when I look back and see how Our Lady has been leading me all these years, closer and closer to Jesus, and I had no idea. Uh, the Holy Spirit, Mary's spouse, was also no stranger to me because my grandmother uh, was the organizer for various church feasts that were held throughout the year, and particularly the Feast of Pentecost was a very big feast for us. And so we would process through the streets and the neighborhoods, you know, to the sound of the Portuguese band, and we would, uh, it was just such a wonderful time. I remember this when I was like seven, eight, and nine years old, and we would proudly carry the, the silver crown uh, with a, a scepter across the crown with the Holy Spirit in, in the form of a dove at the end of the scepter, and we would very reverently process from our church to a, a designated hall which was lavishly filled with these wonderful 
of green, sweet-smelling herbs and, and flowers, and the entire parish would turn out and surrounding parishes would come, and it was just a time of feasting. There'd be much singing and prayer and from early morning and, until late evening. So those are the kind of wonderful things that I remember. After high school, and when I think of it, I went to Hope High. Hope High. And I thought, wow, and that's what we need, don't we? More and yes. more of God's hope in our lives. But after Hope High, I entered St. Joseph's Nursing School. St. Joseph. My husband's middle name is Joseph. My son's middle name is Joseph. How wonderful St. Joseph is. And this was run by Dominican missionaries. And a classmate of mine just reminded me of that. Now that we're doing all this missionary work, she said, you realize our nursing school was a missionary nursing school. And, you know, I loved every minute of it because I went to public schools all of my life, and so this was a wonderful change for me. And during nursing school, daily mass was a very much an important part of my life and all my classmates. We were up early in the morning going to a daily mass. To get back to my husband, when we were dating in nursing school, oftentimes on our dates, uh, we would pray maybe a decade of the rosary together or uh, say a Hail Mary. Now, we were not saints. I'm not standing here telling you we were holier than thou because we weren't. We were just normal, young people um, trying to do what was right in life. Uh, we didn't think we were saints, and, and we did not. Uh, we, I think deep down in our hearts, we truly desired to do good and love God. And so about a year before I finished nursing school, one night we were out on a date, and he said to me, let's say the Hail Mary together. And in the, Hail Ma in the middle of the Hail Mary, he gave me my diamond. Mm -hmm. And a year later, at 21, we were married. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I think about this, we were not holier than thou. We didn't go around praying all day. We went to Mass on Sunday. That was it. Um, and for a wedding present, Donald gave me Mother of Pearl rosary beads and some perfume. Well, they were Mother of Pearl. My birthday is in June, so that's one of the birthstones, and that was a real blessing. But on our wedding night, uh, and I can see where Our Lady really had her hand on us, we knelt down and said a decade of the rosary before we got into bed. And I thought, oh, my goodness. When I think back on that, I said, wow. I mean, we were just average people. You know, where did that come from? <laughs> Within the first three years of marriage, we had three children in diapers, and I was 25 years old. And um, I just had my third child when a great trial came into my life. This was the beginning, really, of my story. After graduating from nursing school, I went to work directly in the operating room, and uh, I was at that time 25, and I began having some physical problems. I'd be standing at the operating room table with the surgeons as they were operating, when all of a sudden my arms and my hands would start to tingle and go weak on me, and my legs would begin to shake, and I would have terrible aches and pains in my legs. And when a doctor finally uh, tested me, they found no, those of you in the medical profession know what I'm talking about, they found no abdominal reflex, no reflex, uh, and the plantar reflexes in both my feet were gone. After examination by a neurologist, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And I'm going to tell you, I thought my life was over. Uh, within a year after that, I was evaluated by a team of 13 doctors at Rhode Island Hospital, and again, they diagnosed me with multiple sclerosis. Now, we had just bought this, our first home, um, two-story colonial. We were so happy. And if you know anything about multiple sclerosis, usually the first symptoms that begin to go are your legs and your eyes. And so here I was, married about four years, with three babies in diapers, up and down stairs, 
and my legs were becoming weak. How helpless and how hopeless I felt. I cried every day for many, many days. And I prayed very hard, like I never prayed before, but I prayed with fear. And I prayed with desperation in a wrong kind of way. I didn't pray with confidence and faith that God was hearing me and that God would answer my prayers. Now, at that time, I was still working in the operating room, and I was on call from like 6 at night to 11 o'clock. And to make matters worse, when I would be going to work at 6 o'clock in the evening, I would meet the switchboard operator practically crawling along the hospital corridor, just bracing herself against the wall as she made her way to the switchboard. And I found out she had multiple sclerosis. And I had to look at that. I had to look at that so you can imagine where my mind was. Also at that time, uh, my husband's father was dying. We had just lost a considerable amount of money in an investment that we had made. And I want to tell you that during this period, I did not have a proper understanding of the church's teaching on family planning. They never taught us that in nursing school, by the way. I'm going way back now. <clears throat> and so I felt a certain amount, I have to honestly say, God forgive me, but I felt a certain amount of resentment toward the church and toward the Pope concerning this whole area of my life, particularly since I just found out I had multiple sclerosis, three babies in diapers, and I thought, there's just no way. How can I ever have another child? I'll be in a wheelchair before long, and my, I'll go blind. And I remember thinking, well, who is the Pope? Who's the church to tell me how I should live my life in terms of having children? I mean, what does he know? He's never been married. He's never raised a family. I did not understand how the Holy Spirit leads the church. I did not grasp the authority, um, the importance of the authority of the church and the teachings of the church for our personal lives. Now, we continued, praise the Lord, we continued to follow the teaching of the church concerning having children, but it was strictly out of obligation and a fear, I can honestly say, of committing mortal sin. And so at this time in our lives, we were feeling somewhat empty inside in regards to Sunday Mass. All kinds of things were going wrong. You know, we were going every Sunday, but we weren't really feeling like we were getting anything out of it, or so we thought. We were going strictly out of duty. We were going out of habit, out of a wrong sense of obligation and the fear of going to hell. Our eyes and our ears were closed to the beauty and the power of the Mass and the Eucharist. But thank God, we never stopped going. But at the time, we felt that it was not giving us life. Oh, we believed in the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, but I, now that I look back, we believed it in our heads. Mass was still boring for us. We believed in the presence of the Eucharist in our heads, but not in our hearts. Uh, we never personally read the Word. In fact, in those days, that wasn't something you did. We never fully realized that it was possible for us to become holy. Uh, we thought that it was only for special people. And the thought of God guiding me through my life in any kind of way was just unthinkable. I thought that was for mystics. That's for the saints, but so many things are happening to God's people today that we thought were for mystics and the saints, amen? And he wants to give us even more so that we might love him more and build up the church. I kind of thought like, well, God's up there in the sky somewhere. He's in heaven. I believed, you know, in my head that he loved me, but I didn't know him in my heart. I truly wasn't aware of that in my heart. I didn't know him in a personal way. I didn't experience his love in his presence personally. 
And so I was searching. I began a search for a deeper meaning of life. I wanted to become oh, all that I was supposed to be or whatever. And I didn't realize at the time that I was searching for God. And you know, St. Augustine said, as you read in that, in that word today, our hearts are restless and they will not rest, he said, until they rest in thee. And that's so true. And so I personally began an intense search to become all, quote unquote, that I was meant to be. And during this time, some of you may remember, there was a famous singing group, and they had a smash hit record entitled The Age of Aquarius. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke that. Amen. Well, this song, sad to say, inspired me in the search that I was embarking on, which very innocently led me into the occult and all the things that you think about in New Age now. I had no idea that this was an abomination to the Lord. And so I didn't, I didn't know the teaching of the church concerning this or the word of God in regards to the occult and, and all the New Age stuff that we read about today. And so I began a search in the late 60s in the wrong direction that led me into the occult and many of the things that, as I said, that the New Ages are involved in, like psychic phenomena. Some of you may not even realize that the, these things are wrong and they're evil and they're abomination to, in the church. Uh, to the Lord, but there's psychic phenomena and Ouija boards and tarot cards and fortune telling and astrology and ESP and seances and astral projection and reading about um, Edgar Casey in his writings and Gene Dixon and, and I got to the point where I began to believe, God forgive me, in reincarnation. But the Word of God, when I finally came to the Lord, I, I want to tell you this quickly, the Word of God saved me. Because in, in, it was in the word, in Romans 9, I believe, yeah, Romans 9, 27, it says, it is appointed unto man only once to die, and then the judgment. And that word was, you know, Jesus is the word, it's alive, it just hit me, hit me right in the heart, it cut right through, and that was the end of that. I just had the grace to believe that word. Well, reading, just reading, I, I couldn't quite get into doing all these things, thanks be to God. Uh, but I had all kinds of books on these subjects, and I was reading this stuff, and just the books brought bad things into my life. And I don't even want to concentrate on that. They brought evil things into my life. I had no idea that the devil could touch my personal life because of these things and because I wasn't rooted in Christ personally the way I needed to be. I had no idea, as I said, that this was an abomination to the Lord. I thought that because I was striving to become you know, a good person, that this could be just part of my personal growth. And as I said, because I am an avid reader, I collected so many books on all these subjects. And um, if any of you have them, I suggest that you get rid of them, burn them, get them right out of the house. I was even delving into Eastern mysticism and Eastern meditation, and all very innocently, I thought. But you know what? Little by little, I was losing my faith in God and in the teachings of the church, and I was turning to the psychic world for answers that we see so much of today. I was turning to the psychic world for a deeper meaning in my life instead of to Jesus Christ and his word in the teachings of the Catholic Church. Now, my husband never really felt quite right about me reading all of these kinds of things, and he often discouraged me, and that should have been my first clue right there and I should have listened, but I didn't. At this time, around this time, um, a friend told him about a yogi, Maharishi, whoever, whatever his name was. He was coming to Boston to give people their personal mantras. 
And my husband was all set to go this one particular night when by the grace of God, the Lord stopped him. He was a Providence firefighter, very proud to say that, owned several businesses, but he was a Providence firefighter, and he was called back to duty that particular night. And we are absolutely convinced now that we look back that the Lord prevented him from going down the wrong path. After about eight years of my working in the operating room, a financial opportunity opened up for us so that I was able to go home and be with our three children, and that's what I really wanted. But one day, shortly before I handed in my resignation, I heard, it's almost with an audible voice, I heard the Lord say to me, I was in the operating room, and he said, when you leave work, you are going to come to know me. I had no idea what that meant. So this was a word from the Lord, and I didn't know. I, was, I wasn't totally aware of the fact that God wanted to bring me and my husband into a personal relationship with him, I had no idea, no possible idea, that this is what he was doing and that he wants that for everyone, a personal relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so I want to share with you my conversion now, because shortly after all of this, my husband was on duty one night in the fire station, and he saw a woman on TV who was talking about apparitions of Our Lady in Garabindel, Spain. And she was talking about the many miracles that were taking place there because of Mary's appearance there as, and she was coming as Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And he said, that's what I need in my life. I need a miracle. Here we were, three babies in diapers, and um, you know, I was just diagnosed with MS. His father was dying. Uh, we, we just lost all this money. Well, we went to a Knights of Columbus Hall, and we saw a remarkable film of the visionaries and their encounter with God and the Blessed Mother. And it was then that we began to turn to the Lord as never before. This was the first sign of hope for us, the first sign of new life for us. And I thought, well, you know, if God was performing these wonderful miracles through Mary's intercession as Our Lady of Mount Carmel, then maybe, maybe there'll be a miracle for me in all of this and for our lives. And so we sent for information concerning these apparitions in Spain. And I will never forget till the day I die, the day that it arrived in the mail. It was a sunny day, but standing in my dining room, and I opened the letter. And the very moment that I opened that letter and touched it, that very second, I pulled out of, in there were some, in, some information about the apparitions, a few pine needles from the tree that Our Lady stood on, a prayer to St. Michael, and so forth. And, but as soon as I touched pulled out the brown scapula. It was like a shock. A shock went through my whole body from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. The minute that I touched it and pulled it out, it was like I didn't know what was going on. I never heard of such a thing in my life. And these chills came all over my body. And I was standing in the sun and I felt this, um, this like this welling up, bubbling up of this peaceful joy coming up within me. And I began to to weep with joy, absolute joy, this wonderful thing that was happening. It was as if all the faith that I had lost was pouring, pouring back into me that day in the dining room, into my heart and into my soul. And I stood there, embraced by the love of God, and began to weep and weep and weep as never before, because I felt that Mary was bringing me home to Jesus. She was bringing me to my Heavenly Father. This was my personal conversion. And after this incident, this encounter, 
My life began to change and to become more Christ-centered. And all I wanted to do, this now when I say I, my husband and I were in this together. We just moved along together the whole way. And all I wanted to do was talk about Jesus and how Mary brought me to Jesus. And so my husband and I became involved in organizing um, bus trips in Rhode Island to the various churches in Massachusetts in response to Mary's message in Garabandel, Spain. And her main message, you know, this is in the 60s, her main message was to pray for priests. And so we would go on these five-hour prayer vigils, and we would uh, take the people with us, and we'd go up to a church, and we would pray for five hours, mass, confession, exposition. A priest would give us a talk on how to grow in holiness. This all took place from like eight at night till one in the morning. And that was very much a part of our lives at the time. Um, because of that, we started going to daily mass. And so we took our three little children, two, three, and four years old. We'd get them up in the morning, and we'd take them off to mass. And one morning, one of the sisters of St. Ursuline, who taught in our Catholic school there, she came to us after mass, and she asked if there was something wrong in our lives. Because here we were, the fact that we were going to daily mass with these three small children. And we said no, and we began to share with her our conversion and what the Lord had been doing in our lives, and she then suggested that we go to a Holy Ghost church in Providence, Rhode Island, where a Father John Randall was leading these prayer meetings. And we never heard of such a thing. I mean, we never heard the term prayer meetings before, and so we smiled and thanked her, and we went on our way. It just didn't penetrate. You know, like the scripture that says, you have ears to hear, but you do not hear. The very next day, thanks be to God, that very next morning, the parish priest came up to us after Mass, and he said, you know, I really think you ought to go down to Holy Ghost Church in Providence where Father John Randall is conducting these prayer meetings. So this time we thought, hey, you know, maybe we should go and see what this is all about. And so now I want to share with you how I came into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's all of us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, therefore he has anointed me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, release to the prisoners, and to announce a year of favor from the Lord. This passage, taken from the Gospel of Luke, describes exactly what happened to me 32 years ago when I walked into that prayer meeting, attended the Life in the Spirit seminar, and eventually was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because in the summer of 1970, at 28 years old, my husband and I walked into our first prayer meeting, which Father John Randall was leading. And there were approximately, at that time, maybe 300, 350 people who were gathered to praise and worship the Lord in love and in power. Priests and religious were there from all over New England, young and old Catholics and Protestants. The moment that I walked into the prayer meeting, I knew that I had found what I was looking for, the love and the presence of Almighty God. And that very night, we began the Life in the Spirit seminar, and a few weeks later, the first week of August, Father John Randall prayed over Donald and me with a few other people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Waves of joy just flooded through us as we were being prayed over. And you know, 32 years later, I am as excited about the Lord Jesus Christ and, and the work of the Lord as I was 32 years ago, if not even more. That's God's grace. But we experienced the love and the presence of God in a whole new way. And our lives have never been the same since. 
Every year, I can honestly say every year in the Lord gets better and better. I'll tell you some of the trials are deeper than I've ever had, but every year in the Lord gets better and better and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Well, within a few weeks, Father Randall asked Donald and me to teach Life in the Spirit seminar. And I mean, I was shocked. I said, I can't teach. I said, I'm a, I'm a nurse, I'm not a teacher. By the grace of God, we've been teaching and, and seeing signs and wonders and miracles ever since. You see, God is not necessarily looking for ability, although that is important in his plan also, but he's looking for availability. And it's our heart that he's after. I'm honored to come here with all of you. You know, the mother chapter is here. Louisiana is the center for Magnificat. And I figure the Lord must have looked at me and said, you know, I think I can trust her enough. I think I'll send her to Louisiana now. <laughs> so I encourage you to just present yourself before your God as a servant who is available, available to hear his call and available to do his divine will. Once I allowed the Lord Jesus free reign in my life, then I could more clearly see how he was working in my life. I could hear him speaking in my heart, in my head and in my heart throughout the day in so many ways. And I'm sure you've heard it through songs, through scripture, through people, through, through the mass, through circumstances and so forth. I could sense his presence more. I'm sharing about all these things that happened to me because I know they've happened to many of you. And those of you who have not experienced it, God wants this for all of you. All of these things can happen to you too. And this has never stopped. And I believe because by the grace of God, I've been able to nurture it through prayer, through the word of God, and through the sacraments. After several months, the Holy Spirit led us back to our home to begin a Bible study with, um, with a Father Jim Henderson, a Trappist monk, and he was led out of the monastery by the Holy Spirit temporarily to help people around the country. And so he led this Bible study in our home, and he taught us so much about the early fathers of the church and so many wonderful things about the church. And in our home, we grew to about 60 people where we would pray with them. Well, my husband and my family became very close to this wonderful Father Jim. You could tell him anything, and he'd just look at you and say, you don't know how much God loves you. <laughs> well, he mentored us for about eight years um, deeply, and uh, Father John Randall has also mentored us for 32 years, which has been a great blessing in our lives. But my heart was just bursting with love for Jesus and, and for my family and for my friends. It was like I was falling in love with them all over again. My search for meaning in life was over. I was home. I found what I had been searching for, Jesus Christ and life in the kingdom of God. And I went to confession. I renounced that whole occult thing. I got rid of all those books and so forth. And I began to realize who I really was. My search was over. I am, just as you are, I am the beloved daughter of the Father. Because, you know, when you come to know who you are in Christ, then your search for your identity is over. You are the beloved sons and daughters of the Father, and I encourage you to say that every day. This will help to bring you into a deeper relationship with the Father who loves us so much. You know that you can't outgive the Lord. The more you give to him, the more he keeps giving back to you. More peace, more love, more joy, more of him. And he desires to give you more, more in every area of your life. I began to experience a great desire to serve the Lord, to give out of myself. Uh, I received a deep love for prayer. I couldn't wait to go to prayer. I have to spend that kind of time in prayer every day, even though we're daily communicants. 
I have to go and get the personal word from the Lord and take my time in prayer with him alone. Phone off the hook, shut the door, and if you're not doing that every day, I encourage you to begin somewhere. St. Teresa of Avila said, better that you pray 10 minutes every day during the week than an hour today and forget it the rest of the week. So begin somewhere. Everybody can take 10 minutes and stay with it. The scriptures came alive for me. A deeper love came into my heart for the church and for the Holy Father. All that kind of confusion and nonsense was gone. And for the teachings of the church, that's deeper desire for daily mass. It, it got even stronger and a deeper awareness and love for Mary, our Heavenly Mother. And for the saints. I was devouring the books on the saints and, and for my guardian angel. You know, maybe there's 125 of us here today, but there are really 250 and plus <laughs> with our angels. And I encourage you to speak to your angel. What a gift God has given us in our holy guardian angel. I also became quicker to recognize my sins and go to the sacrament of confession, reconciliation. What a gift to us in the church. And so I began to go more frequently. And I found myself becoming more tolerant of others' faults and just a deep, deep desire to evangelize and tell others about Jesus Christ and how much he loves you, how much he wants to bless you, and so forth. And a deeper concern for the salvation of souls, um, being more and more aware that hell is real. Heaven is real, purgatory is real, and hell is real. And so a deep concern for souls and a deep desire to pray for and pray with people for whatever they needed. I also found it easier to find peace in the midst of trials and chaos. Not that I don't experience fear coming at me, but when it does, I know how to go after it with the Lord and with the sword of the Spirit. And one of the words that has helped me is from Colossians 3.15, which says, it's talking about the peace of Christ in your heart. And so I turn that into a prayer and I say, I let the peace of Christ rule in my heart and I refuse to worry about anything. I'm making a faith statement according to the Word of God, and that really has helped. I can feel immediately the strength of the Lord come into me, and if I have to do it 50 times a day, I do it 50 times a day. But just a, a deeper faith and trust in God's Word and came into my life, and uh, that beautiful mercy prayer, Jesus, I trust in you, is more alive for me than ever. And so I became more concerned with God's plans, His purposes, and His pursuits than my own. And also a deeper awareness of Satan and how to combat him in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have power within us through baptism and confirmation to be able to come up against the spirit of fear, come up against the trials and tribulations that come up against us and not live in defeat but come out victorious. Doesn't mean we won't feel fear, but we need to know how to come up against it. And so there was a sincere desire to do the will of God and walk more fully in his divine will. And so is yours also the desire of my heart is to do the will of God above all else. Everything that I do in life since the baptism of the Holy Spirit revolves around, is this God's will for my life? Is this what he really wants? And the rest is history. Uh, we consecrated our lives and our families to the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of, of Mary, our children, our home, our prayer group, our community. And through and because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we've been able to sustain and lead our prayer group for 32 years in the power of the Lord. We see healings, we see miracles and signs and wonders every Tuesday night when we gather. The Lord is at work, even though the numbers are smaller than what they used to be. Uh, and so we've been able to, um, the Lord has used us in, by grace, uh, weekend retreats, fire rallies, conferences, healing services, women's nights, parish 
of missions. Now we're into missionary work overseas, and uh, I I cannot believe some. How am I? How do I get there? Mm-hmm. I'm just this, I'm just an ordinary person, you know. And uh, it just blows my mind what the Lord has done. But I give all glory to God. All glory be to Him. And last but not least, we were able to evangelize all the members of our family, all Donald's brothers and sisters, my parents, and so forth, and our children. And um, I know there are people here laboring over your children. Every retreat I do, every place I go, there are mothers and grandmothers laboring over their children. And I have a word for you from um, Proverbs 11.21. says, you can be very sure. Now, this is a whole, it's a different translation, so you'll have to go searching for it. You can be very sure that God will rescue the children of the godly. And I had to live in that for nine years with one of our children. And I can honestly say that word has come to pass. Um, God has rescued the children of the godly. So our job, that to me said, my job is to be godly. And it's up to the Lord to go in and rescue in his time and in his way. Another word he gave me was from Jeremiah 36. I think it's 16 and 17. Um, And it says, stop your crying, wipe away your tears. All that you have done for your children will not go unrewarded. They will return from the enemy's land. There is hope for your future. Your children will come back home. I, the Lord, have spoken. Mm -hmm. I lived in that word. One day I was cleaning in my living room, and, and all of a sudden I began thinking about this child, and I began to cry. And I felt my angel just kind of like tap me on the cheek, and I started Stop your crying, wipe away your tears. All the, I began to quote the word of God to my heart and to my mind and to my spirit. And immediately it lifted me up to believe in God's word more than I believed what was happening around me. Lord, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm going to trust what you say in your word. I don't care what it looks like, feels like, smells like, tastes like. I'm going to believe your word because you gave this word to me. I'm going to hold on to it like a bulldog and not let go. And in your way, in your time, you will bring it to pass. And the third word I want to share is from Zechariah 4.7, which says, Obstacles as great as mountains will disappear before you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. But God's word is true. You hold on to the words that he gives to you. And you may be sitting there and thinking, how do I get closer to God? You know, one of the ways that so many people have come to know Jesus Christ is through the Life in the Spirit seminar and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And these seminars are generally giving it, uh, they're given at Catholic charismatic prayer meetings or renewal centers around the country and even around the world. So I encourage you, if you've never been through one, I encourage you to, to find one in your area and, and go through that course and then attend it with your mind and your heart um, totally open like a little child. You know, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, who's the founder of the Trappist, said, expect much from God, and he'll do much for you. Expect little, and he will do little. We need God's peace desperately, don't we? I mean, the whole world is searching for peace. They don't know it. They're searching in the wrong directions, but they are searching. And we know the true peace can only come when you come into this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because once you do that, then the other things in your life eventually begin to fall into place. Jesus says in his word in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his work, and all these things will be added to you. Well, we have crossed the threshold of the new millennium, and we have been prepared by the Holy Father for this crossing of the threshold the fullness of the new springtime that he has talked about. 
And I believe that there is a great and glorious time coming for the church. I don't know how much of a tight squeeze we're going to have to go through before we see the fullness of it, or maybe it'll happen simultaneously. But the early signs of the new evangelization and the new springtime that Pope John Paul has prepared us for are here. I see it in this country. I see it overseas. Uh, there are people on fire, religious priests from the hierarchy on down, on fire with the power and the love of the Holy Spirit. So we need to enter into this promise with all confidence that Jesus will bring us through in victory. Amen? Amen. You see, God wants us to experience, experience his love and his power more and more. Oh, it's wonderful that we know the, about him in our heads, and that's important. But how wonderful when we can experience him and his love. And the Lord wants to bring us to that place more and more. In order that we might, as the scripture says, proclaim the glorious works of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. God desires you to know him in a personal way, in order that you might be able to reach out to others with the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he wants you, you, to be his witnesses. And he desires for you to testify to his good works and his love for you. And he wants to equip you, whoever you are and wherever you are in your walk with God, he wants to equip you more with the power of the Holy Spirit to show forth his glory to the world. And so he is calling you this morning to step out in faith and surrender your life to him. Give your life to him more fully in ways perhaps that you've never done before so that you may serve him in deeper ways because there is so much more that the Lord has for us. More love, he has more power, more of him, more of him. I believe there is a new and mighty wave of the Holy Spirit that is coming upon the earth the likes of which we have never seen, rivers of living water flowing throughout the country, flowing throughout the world, refreshing and reviving everyone who drinks of it. Out of your innermost being, the scripture says, shall flow rivers of living water. I've experienced it. I've seen it in this country happening. Little bonfires here, bonfires there, bonfires in Louisiana bonfires in Eastern Europe and Africa, and I really believe that at some point it'll sweep the world. Thousands upon thousands will be pouring into the church, and we've got to get ready. The priests, as wonderful as they are, they can't do it all. And so we've got to get ready to be able to, one-on-one -on -one or with multitudes, bring people into the church, bring people to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. You may be thinking, but how can I be part of this? Well, doesn't the Lord say in his word in Luke chapter 9, ask, and you will receive, seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. Jesus Christ can change your life too, even more, if you so desire. The scripture tells us that God is no respecter of persons. He loves each and every one of us as much as he loves the holiest. The holiest have somehow just put themselves in position to be able to be used more by God. Well, we need to get ourselves in position too. And so I want to exhort you right now in your own mission as the body of Christ, which you have. God has anointed you, whether you are aware of it or not. He wants to anoint you more. And he is sending you to bring good news to the poor and to proclaim liberty to the captives. He's sending you to bring new sight to the blind 
and to set the downtrodden free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. Amen. You know, Mary, our Heavenly Mother, can't, she's here with us right now. She's listening to everything. She, she knows what's in your heart. And she is joining our prayers to hers, as we heard earlier, as we come together before the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Many of you are sitting there right now, and you are feeling a need for more of God in your lives. And you want to know Jesus Christ in a personal way, or you want to go deeper with that knowledge and that love of God. You want to experience more of the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. You desire to truly know experientially that you are the beloved daughter of the Father, that you are the Son, the beloved Son of the Father. And so open your hearts and your minds up right now because God wants to fill you with his love. And he longs to fill you again and again with these wonderful rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit is the river of life flowing out of your innermost being and bringing you new life. And so I want to say a prayer with you right now if you just close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we love you and we thank you for being here. And I ask you to fill us with the love of Jesus Christ and overshadow us with your love. And Lord, we want more and more of you and less of us until we no longer live, but that you live fully in us. We want our lives to be at your service, Lord. And we want to surrender to you and to your ways as Mary did. Lord, give us docile hearts. Come, Lord Jesus, and send forth your spirit and set us on fire with love for you. Set us on fire with love for you. Amen. You know, many times when you hear a person's testimony, there is something that is shared that resonates within your spirit and it touches your heart in a particular way, or it just seems to somehow connect with you. Some of you may be feeling that right now. Or maybe there was something that was said in my testimony today that has touched you and is affecting your heart right now. If so, just know that this is the work of the Holy Spirit letting you know that he wants to give you more life more of him, and a closer walk with Jesus. The word of God says, whoever acknowledges me before man, I will acknowledge before the angels of God. Jesus Christ, we know, is the only answer to our problems. He is the answer to all of life. He truly is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord Jesus Christ, I want to belong to you from now on. Lord Jesus Christ, I want to belong to you from now on. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I desire you to be the Lord and Savior of my soul. I desire you to be the Lord and Savior of my soul. I want to walk as a child of the light. I want to walk as a child of the light. I want to walk as a beloved daughter, a beloved son of the Holy Father. I want to walk as a beloved daughter of the Holy I desire to know you as my personal Lord and Savior. I desire to know you as my personal Lord and Savior. For I know and believe that you died on the cross for my sins. For I know and believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again from the dead on the third day. I believe that you rose again from the dead on the third day. And I believe that you are coming in glory. And I believe that you are coming in glory. And I believe in your forgiveness of sins. And I believe in your forgiveness of sins. And I desire that you help me refrain from temptations. 
and I desire that you help me refrain from temptation. Temptations that would keep me separated from your everlasting love. Temptations that would keep me separated from your everlasting love. I ask you to forgive all the sins I have ever committed. I ask you to forgive all the sins I have ever committed. And I surrender my life to you. And I surrender my life to you. And if it's comfortable for you, just put out your hands. I surrender my life to you. You want to receive all that you can from him. Repeat after me. I offer my heart to you. I offer my heart to you. I desire to obey you as my Lord and Savior. I desire to obey you as my Lord and Savior. I want to be free from the dominion of darkness and the rule of Satan. I want to be free from the dominion of darkness and the rule of Satan. And I desire to enter more fully into your kingdom and be part of your people. And I desire to enter more fully into your kingdom and be part of your people. Lord Jesus Christ, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, now and forever. I invite you into my life. I invite you into my life. And Lord, I ask that you would heal me. And Lord, I ask that you would heal me. Heal my body, my mind, and my spirit. Heal my body, my mind, and my spirit. Lord, I ask that you would change me to be more like you. Lord, I ask that you would change me to be more like you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and accepting my prayer. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and accepting my prayer. And they all said, Amen. Jesus Christ tells us that he came that we might have life and have it in abundance. He is here, present with us now, living in us. For you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I charge you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. We hope you have been touched by Pat Turbot's faith-filled testimony. It isn't easy to share deeply, and we thank Pat for truly proclaiming his marvelous deeds. In the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11, we are told they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. In keeping with today's presentation, let us pray as the Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. We certainly hope you've enjoyed the program today. And for more information or a copy of our broadcast, please write us at Magnificat Proclaims, P.O. Box 2983, Orange, California, 92859. You might also want to call us toll-free at 800-500-4556 or 714-744-0336. In addition, if you'd like to know more about the Magnificat ministry, including the location of a Magnificat chapter in your area, please call 504-828-MARY. That's 504-828-6279. Well, it looks like that's all the time we have today. So on behalf of Magnificat Proclaims, this is Donna Ross inviting you to join us next time as we present more personal testimonies from our inspirational Catholic speakers. Remember, Magnificat Proclaims, the greatness of the Lord. Until next time, may God shower you with his choicest blessings. Blessings.